Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. Today's episode is called Avoiding a Critical Error. And I am so excited for this topic. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I have been writing and teaching Bible studies for the past 15 years. I've worked with women, youth, Sunday school. I've been blogging for Time of Grace since 2017. I've written two books for them. Really what you need to know is that I love the Lord and I love the Word of God. And I find that the deeper I go into the Word of God, the more astounded I am that He loves us and that He notices us and that He cares so deeply about our lives. And my role is really to get people into the Word and to show them how awesome it is and to really get them to a place that they want to know and love God more. That's kind of my mission in life in a nutshell. We're going to talk about having a critical spirit and how we can maybe just change our perspective a little to move from having a critical spirit to having an encouraging spirit and a spirit that really helps people to focus a little bit better instead of being something that they try to avoid with all their heart. And I have several um, quotes for us today, but I also have this super interesting study from the Harvard Business Review that I can't wait to share with you. So hopefully by the end of today's topic, we will all change the way we go about criticizing people, or at least try to do it a little bit differently, and maybe get much better results. So I want to start by saying that um, some of us wear having a critical spirit around uh, on us like it is a gift from God. <laughs> like we can see things that no one else can see. And since we are so wise, it is our job and our duty to point out the error in other people. Now, while criticism and especially constructive criticism criticism is extremely helpful, it's valuable, and it's actually needed, that is true. While that is true, um, having a critical spirit that always picks up on the things that are wrong can have the opposite effect of what we want it to have. So it's important to realize the difference between being able to give constructive criticism in a respectful uh, and encouraging way and having a critical spirit that is able to see what everybody else is doing wrong all the time and um, to the point that everybody just sort of wants to avoid you. <laughs> There's a huge, huge different there, difference there. So we're going to just explore that a little bit. And we're going to start in the book of Proverbs. And uh, I have two selections. One is from Proverbs 19, verses 13 and 14. And one is from Proverbs 27, verses 15 to 17. So Proverbs 19, we read this. A foolish child is a father's ruin, and a quarrelsome wife is like the constant dripping of a leaky roof. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. And in Proverbs 27, it says, A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. <laughs> iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As a writer, I just want to say those images are spot on. 
um, a quarrelsome wife, someone who's critical, who nags, who won't let you get away with anything. You know, she picks up on your every little, little fault. It's like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. <laughs> it's not just a leaky roof that once in a while, you know, sheds water. It is a leaky roof in a rainstorm that you can't get away from. I have a little bit of experience with this. Um, Several years ago now, I think it was 2015, my family went to the Boundary Waters. And my husband and I have been to the Boundary Waters multiple times and love it. So we're veterans and and I've done the whole outdoor thing. That's not a problem. On this particular occasion, though, I went in a tent with my two small girls. And my husband took our two oldest kids in a tent with him. And a pretty severe storm came up in the middle of the night and it blew the rain tent, the rain flap off of our tent, which meant that our tent was exposed to the elements and it was raining bad. So in the middle of the night, with no protection from a rain flap, the rain started coming in our tent. Well, both of my daughters had these waterproof um sleeping bags. So I kind of zipped it up around them and tucked their heads in and they were just fine. I had an old hot foot sleeping bag from my parents that absorbed all the water (laughs) so that I was soaked. And I'm telling you, I was praying for that storm to stop and it would not stop and it would not stop. And there was more water. And my husband the next morning said, why didn't you get up and go grab the rain flap and get it back on the tent and I'm like well it was dark and the (laughs) the storm was pretty vicious and I just I guess I didn't it didn't occur to me that I should go hunt that down and put it on but yeah that would have been a much better solution because trust me it was a pretty horrific night um so I can understand exactly what this passage says when you have a critical person following behind you, pointing out your every fault. It is like living with that constant drip on your head. <laughs> you can't get away from it. And let me tell you, I um, I remember that night well. I have never forgotten that night because it was so miserable. And that's what a quarrelsome wife, And I'm going to say a nagging wife, a critical wife, but you know, it doesn't even have to be a wife. It can be anyone who follows around behind you, pointing out your faults all the time. That's what they're like. In both of these passages, we're we're given an alternative. So in the first one, um, we're told that the quarrelsome wife is like a leaky roof. But then we're told a prudent wife is from the Lord. And prudent means acting or sharing, showing care and thought for the future. And that's a big difference. See, a quarrelsome wife doesn't care. She's just out to get you right now. (laughs) You know, she doesn't, she doesn't put thought into her words and what they might do to you. But a prudent wife does because a prudent wife knows she doesn't want to beat her husband down. She wants to make him the best that he can be. And that doing it that way instead of being critical is going to be much different. We're going to talk to our husband different. We're going to choose what we're going to really bring to his attention, what we really want changed. And we're not going to just constantly follow him around editing him. And the second 
Proverbs passage, um, the comparison is the quarrelsome wife, which is like a leaky roof or like trying to grasp oil, which you can't. It would just go right through your hand. And then we're also told, though, the contrast is iron sharpening iron so that someone can make somebody else sharper. So we're either going to have to choose to be critical and, you know, really just nag, or we're going to try to be prudent and we're going to try to be that iron that sharpens iron to get a better effect. And that's a huge, huge difference. I want to share with you this study that I found in this Harvard Business Review. It's a study from uh, 2013, and I found it fascinating. So I'm going to read quite a bit of it, actually, because I think it really brings this point to home. So this study, it says the research conducted by academic, um, two names, um, examined the effectiveness of 60 strategic business unit leadership teams at a large information processing company. The factor that made the greatest difference between the most and the least successful teams was the ratio of positive comments, I agree with that, for instance, or that's a terrific idea, to negative comments. I don't agree with you, or we shouldn't even consider doing that, that the participants made to one another. Negative comments, we should point out, could go as far as sarcastic or disparaging remarks. The average ratio for the high-performing teams was 5.6. That is nearly six positive comments for every negative one. The medium performance teams averaged 1.9, almost twice as many positive comments than negative ones. But the average for the low-performing teams at 0.36 to 1 was three negative comments for every positive one. So while a little negative feedback apparently goes a long way, it is an essential part of the mix. Why is that? First, because of its ability to grab someone's attention. Second, certainly negative feedback guards against complacency and groupthink. And third, our own research shows it helps leaders overcome serious weaknesses. And the key word here is serious. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Negative feedback is important when we're heading over a cliff to warn us that we'd really better stop doing something horrible or start doing something we're not doing right away. But even the most well-intentioned criticism can rupture relationships and undermine self-confidence and initiative. It can change behavior, certainly, but it doesn't cause people to put forth their best efforts. Only positive feedback can motivate people to continue doing what they're doing well and do it with more vigor, determination, and creativity. As an interesting aside, we find it noteworthy that Heaply and Losada's research is echoed in an uncanny way by John Gottman's analysis of wedded couples' likelihood of getting divorced or remaining married. Once again, the single biggest determinant is the ratio of positive to negative comments the partners make to one another. And the optimal ratio is amazingly similar. Five positive comments for every negative one. 
For those who ended up divorced, the ratio was 0.77 to 1, or something like three positive comments for every four negative ones. Clearly in work and life, both negative and positive feedback have their place and their time. If some inappropriate behavior needs to be stopped, or if something is failing to do, if someone is failing to do something they should be doing, that's a good time for negative feedback. And certainly, contrarian positions are useful in leadership team discussions, especially when it seems only one side of the argument has been heard. But the key even here is to keep the opposing viewpoint rational, objective, and calm. And above all, not to engage in any personal attack under the disingenuous guise of being constructive. Wow, that is huge. I don't care if your love language is words of affirmation or not. This is a study that proves that people perform best when they are given positive encouragement in much heavier doses than constructive criticism. And when we must use criticism, because we must, we were given three reasons there why it was super, super important to use criticism. It was to get our attention and to stop us from doing something that might otherwise um, be to our detriment, or to give the opposing viewpoint. When we must give it, we need to give it rationally, calm, and respectfully. (laughs) That is so different than that dripping, that constant, constant dripping. Nobody wants to be followed around and be, be told constantly what they're doing wrong. So much better to be appreciative of people, to thank them for what they're doing, to recognize how often they are doing the right thing. And when they do do something wrong, not hold it over their head, but to learn from it. And that is, that's the path we want to be on. That's where we want to be headed. So whatever the relationship has become, whether it's your marriage relationship or a relationship with a teenager. I have three teens right now, and this couldn't have come for me at a better time because it's such an important reminder that even when I catch my kids doing something that I really, really don't want them to do, I have to make sure that's weighed by many reminders of the things that they're doing well so that they don't feel like a total failure But so we can tweak a little things and get them back where they need to be, but not push them down and not make them want to avoid you at all costs. That's not where we want to be. Hebrews 3.13 says, Encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened. And I think, again, that goes back to that positive reinforcement. It is so easy to fall into being critical, but that's not where we want to be. We want to be great encouragers of our families, of our pastors, of our friends, of the people around us in general. 
I have some quotes from for us here. And the first one is from, I, I'm not entirely sure how to say his name. I'm going to say Harlan Kutchel. He wrote the People's Bible book on Colossians. And he wrote this. The gentle person will not be easily provoked to fits of rage or anger by the carelessness of others. That's that critical spirit. Always catching the, criti- the carelessness of others. And he will overlook insults in the spirit of forgiveness. A gentle Christian would rather suffer injury than inflict it. It's not to say that we need to, um, you know, not ever bring up somebody's carelessness. <laughs> There's a time and a place for that. We've already talked about that. But, you know, sometimes we need to overlook. And I think that's especially true. We have to remember that we're not going to fix somebody and make somebody perfect. Our kids aren't going to be perfect. Our spouse isn't going to be perfect. Our pastor isn't going to be perfect. Our boss isn't going to be perfect. Our president is not going to be perfect because none of us are perfect. So our job is not to go around behind people pointing out all their faults. That's not the job. Sometimes we need to overlook the carelessness of others. Sometimes we need to come alongside somebody and be a great example to them. And by our example, they will learn um, to do things differently. Aristotle said this, there is only one way to avoid criticism. Do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. And that speaks more to how we take and handle criticism. You know, the same is true while we sometimes fall into the trap of criticizing, we can also become the one who is criticized. And it can be really easy to just curl in our ball and say, okay, well, I guess I shouldn't be doing this because, you know, someone's attacking me with criticism. Not true. If you step out and you do something, you are putting yourself in a position to be criticized. And the proper response to criticism is to examine yourself. Uh, prayerfully examine yourself and see if there's truth in that criticism. And if there is, take it seriously. Um, As the Harvard Business Review article showed us, you know, great things can come from criticism. We can become even better because of criticism, even when it's not given in the nicest or most respectful way. Sometimes there's a lot of truth in it. Malcolm Gladwell says, criticism is a privilege that you earn. It shouldn't be your opening move in an interaction. And I think this is really key. When we are um, addressing an error of someone, whoever it is, it's probably best to not just come out and blurt it out. (laughs) It's always best to find out where the other person is. How are you doing? You might find that um, there's a reason for the criticism. Maybe they have been sloppy lately. Well, maybe there are things going on at home that you don't know about. Maybe there's things in their life that are really dragging the person down. So I think that's um, a point well taken, that it shouldn't be the opening remark, Um, but it should rather come after really exploring where the person's at and what they're doing. And then there's an, uh, an anonymous quote that says, it is usually best to be generous with praise and cautious with criticism. And again, six to one people, that's the ratio. Six to one, six positive things to the one critical statement. I want to just point out that sometimes when you are getting a really critical spirit about something, it's it's pointing to the fact that it's time to bow out of something. 
I had this happen um, a couple of times over the last years where uh, I was sensing more and more that I was just going in a different direction than one committee I was on and the other was an organization that I had been part of for quite a while. And I found that I was increasingly not very happy with the performance. I would, I would leave events and I would go, no, this is not at all what I was hoping for. And I would even talk myself into it as I went to an event at the one organization. I would be like, I am not going to find anything wrong today. I am not going to you know, find anything to pick apart. I'm going there. I am going to be happy and I'm going to see only the good. And I'd get there and I'd sit down and I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I, I can't even get behind this. And eventually I realized, oh, it's because we have very, very different um, paths. We're on very different paths and we're not, we don't have the same goals in mind. And if we don't have the same goals in mind, then we're going to go after different things. And once I recognized that, you know, the organization was not really what I was looking for, it was very easy to pull away from it. And it just brought a great weight off my shoulders to not be part of it anymore, to not have to live with that and not find myself in that critical position. And the committee I was on was the same thing. There was increasing um, just animosity between committee members, and especially in regards to a, a few key things. And I realized that the person running the committee was never going to change his perspective So if you weren't sharing that perspective, then it was best for you to just leave the committee versus continually fight about it because that was the direction the committee was going to go. And um, again, it was such an important thing for me to realize, to get to the root of it and realize why I was feeling so critical and to recognize that it was because we were going in different directions and we had very, very different ideologies about how things should go and that's the time to bow out now when it comes to marriage not so much that is not the the case it's not good to bow out of a marriage and somehow we have to get back to being on that same page and you know um we have to go back to that finding the positives building one another up encourage one another daily pray for each other to be of one heart and one mind And watch as God does that and brings you together. So I hope this topic makes you think as much as it made me think. I was very excited to learn this. I just think that, um, like I said, especially I have teens at home and sometimes I can fall into the trap of pointing out, you know, the things that they did wrong and, and the ways that they got around the rules or found another loophole instead of really catching them doing the right things. And when I do that, I ignore all those good things that they have been doing, and that's not fair. Nobody wants, like I said, someone following behind them, pointing out their errors all the time. That's just not a fun way to live. So I hope this helps you as much as it helps me. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Please remember time of grace with your prayers and your financial contributions. 